The following recording is a presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome you to visit our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service of Berean Baptist Church. So I'd like you to turn with me, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. And while you're turning there, I want to start by saying that last week I really appreciated Brother Dalton's sermon I, like him, believe that our nation is headed for disaster. Many many of you may be feeling the same way. We can not only sense, but we can see that there is something terribly wrong with our country. So I would like my comments to serve as a warning, but not as a cause for despair. God does not want us to, to despair Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Charles Spurgeon said, quote, Our anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strengths. We can certainly have joy and peace in times of trial, and we should. But our nation's current trajectory is going to have very real consequences for all of us. So the more we know, the more we can prepare mentally, physically, and spiritually. I also really appreciated uh, Brother Jorge's comments two weeks ago because I happen to agree with him too. The political climate we are living in has serious implications for us as Christians. This is a relevant topic and is worthy of discussion because, ultimately, the political and social issues we are facing stem from a spiritual problem. My sermon today is entitled Perilous Times. Perilous Times. And we pick up in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, and we read, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now the Greek word for perilous means dangerous. We are living in very dangerous times in American history. Indeed, world history. We are imperiled by wicked and godless men. Generally speaking, these men are a chaotic group with no courage, no honor, no loyalty, no prudence, no honesty, no patriotism, and most of all, with no belief in God. Now, these men have near total control of every institution in our society. In America, we have, we still have, the concept of the Constitution, 
the Bill of Rights, and the rule of law. We have the institutions of the executive, legislative, and judicial branches of government. Those are still intact. They are all still there, but they have been stripped of any of their original meaning and authority. The country has lost its way. Now, there's another institution that still exists, the church. This is the institution that has been most corrupted. And as the church goes, so goes the society. Michael Hoff has a great quote. Maybe you've heard it. It goes like this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. America has never been weaker. The most recent debacle that we've seen in Afghanistan clearly demonstrates this fact. By our hasty and disastrous retreat where we abandoned our own citizens and we left behind $85 billion in military equipment. We have literally created a terrorist state. Now, I don't believe that this is by accident, but that's another sermon. So, America has never been weaker. It's never been led by weaker men or women, as the case may be. And this is moral weakness. And through this weakness, we are experiencing an assault on everything that has created stability, cohesion, and peace in our society for centuries. Now, you may think I'm exaggerating. I really try not to exaggerate. I think that the situation is this dire. Here's one example. We have biological males who can now say they are women. They are competing in women's sports and winning. Surprise, surprise. The most ludicrous claim is that they can give birth. They can now enter women's locker rooms and expose themselves to our wives, our daughters, and our mothers. And under the color of law, this behavior is not only tolerated, it is protected and encouraged. We live in a society where weak men no longer defend the honor of their women in any way. What kind of society tolerates this? It's a society that has forsaken God and is no longer functioning. Everything is being disrupted and dismantled. And at the heart of this dismantling is the target, true biblical Christianity and its ideals and virtues. Christianity has been society's source for truth and stability, so naturally it must be destroyed. This attack is being perpetrated by a modern Marxist cultural revolution, which is satanic at at its core. Now, this movement has conquered our government, academia, media, and it is in the process of conquering the church. Now, if we only had to endure the foolishness of these people, that might be tolerable. But this movement is actively destroying everything it touches. 
Now it has narrowed its focus on true believers of Christ and civil society at large. Now I use the term true followers of Christ because this movement is not concerned with the myriad of apostate churches and the people that populate them. Those enemies have been thoroughly vanquished. They pose no threat at all. In fact, many of them have joined this movement. Now, why are we seeing mainstream Christianity abandon the faith? Well, the answer lies in 1 Timothy, I think, 1 Timothy 4.1. So turn there with me. If you're in 2 Timothy, turn back. And we read, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Here's the most recent example of this departure. The newly appointed chaplain of Harvard University is a professed atheist. Imagine. Greg Epstein identifies as a humanist rabbi. Now, Harvard's founding motto in 1650 was Christi Glorium, Latin meaning for the glory of Christ. Do you think that Christ is glorified by an atheist chaplain? Now, to add insult to injury, Timothy Keller, the former pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City has endorsed his appointment, quote, wishing him well. Wishing him well. Now, I wonder, is that what a minister of the gospel should be doing? Let's see what Scripture has to say about that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, And we'll start at verse 14, where it reads, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I think Pastor Keller has forgotten that. Why is this occurring, and why are Christians so passive in their tolerance of it? First of all, those that claim to be Christians were never really Christians at all. They were imposters, as we see them departing the faith in 1 Timothy 4.1. Secondly, I think this has happened because real Christians have retreated from the battlefield. There is a general lack of awareness of the nature of the enemy. We may know our Bibles, 
But sadly, we know little else going on around us. Politics, finance, and social constructs, and listen, and the understanding of them is hidden from the public through a sophisticated disinformation campaign which utilizes many things, but primarily utilizes television programming. Programming. That's why they call it programming. And in case you think I'm exaggerating, quote, we'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the U.S. public believes is false. That wasn't some crap crackpot blogger that said that. That was William Casey, the CIA director from 1981 to 1987. That was 35 years ago. Think how far we've fallen since. We have been so overwhelmed by this information war, we simply do not know what to do. So we retreat and try to protect what we have left. I contend, if we continue this retreat, there will be nothing left to save. We are losing the battle. We need to wake up. If what you are seeing, if what you are seeing and experiencing does not disturb you and fill you with righteous indignation, maybe you've missed the teaching somewhere. Ezekiel Chapter 33 and verse 6 says, But if the watchmen see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people are, be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Now chapter 33 tells us of the need for warning when God's people are in danger. In chapter 34, we read Israel's leaders are indicted and rebuked for their failure to care for the nation. I wonder, can we make any application to our day? I think we can. But we have to remember that this battle is not physical. It's not physical. Turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm almost there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness is what's driving all of this. But just because you don't see troops in the streets and open warfare, don't think for one second that we are not in the battle for the survival of the gospel, our nation, and our way of life. Don't get me wrong. Christ's gospel will never be stopped. He promised that in Matthew 16, 18, where he said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But don't forget that one of the primary freedoms that allows us to preach the gospel unhindered in this country 
is the First Amendment of the Constitution. And that freedom is being eroded every day. It's being destroyed. Does that mean we stop preaching the gospel when our freedom to do so is outlawed? No. We obey God rather than men. But the preservation of that freedom will give us the ability to reach many more people with the truth, won't it? So do we sit by and let it slip away? Isn't it worth fighting for? And if you don't think this can happen here, just ask Chinese Christians how free they are to preach the gospel in their country. Now, the people that are creating this instability are doing so primarily because they have forsaken God. They are wittingly or unwittingly executing a global satanic agenda. Now, we know they don't understand this. They do not have the Spirit of God guiding them. They are entirely guided by human viewpoint and emotion. And as Ephesians noted, they are controlled by spiritual forces that they don't even know exist. We have arrived here because people can identify the root problem. They look at the problems in their life as being external. And some are. We know that the world and the devil are certainly powerful influences. But as Christians, we understand that the greatest enemy, our greatest problem, is us. As Christians, we are always fighting to overcome our sinful human nature. That is the difference. We fight our nature, they give in to theirs. Romans chapter 1 describes mankind as being filled with unrighteousness, filled with wickedness. It describes him as an inventor of evil things. Let me ask you, do you see the inventing of evil where no evil actually exists? Here's another good example. We hear that people of color are hunted down and then murdered by police in epidemic proportions. Is that true? Of course it's not true. Unfortunately, this is a sad thing, but the reason that many black men are dying is because their encounter with police is primarily during the commission of crimes. That's the truth. And that's sad, but it's true. Now, I would suggest that anyone that doesn't want an unpleasant, counter, an, unpleasant, an unpleasant encounter with the police do what all of us do. Do what we have taught our children to do. Obey the law. Obey the law. Now, those who condemn the police never seem to have the same outrage when scores of black men are murdered by other black men in places like Chicago every day. It appears that lives only seem to matter when they fall into a particular political agenda. Now, the solution is not to assert that there are some good people and that some are bad. The solution is to recognize that we are all sinners. We're sinners by nature. And our nature does not seek to do good, it seeks to do evil. Romans chapter 3 tells us there is none righteous, 
There is none that understands, there's none that seeks God, and there's none that does good. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, God has given us eyes to see that there is no good in us. By his grace, he's done that. And because we are able to see the problem, we are really the only ones able to address the problem. The problem is sin. And because people cannot remedy the problem on their own, they invent imaginary evils to fight. Now, that does not mean that there are not real evils in this world, but the battles that are being fought by today's social justice warriors are largely invented. So, why can't they see the problem? Romans 1.31 tells us, they are without understanding. Why do you think we are seeing this anarchy unfolding in our country? Why do we see the level of hostility towards decency and morality? It's because people think being free of God's constraints will make them happy. They don't understand that the constraints of God's law prevents them from being as bad as they can be. Not only does God's law constrain evil, it produces good. Christians are commanded to love their neighbors as themselves. Can you imagine, can you think of a higher ethic in human relationships? Can you imagine the problems that would be solved if everyone loved their neighbors as themselves? Please turn with me to Psalm chapter 14. Psalm 14. I'm going to focus on verses 4 and 5, but let's just back up to verse 1 and just read it until verse 5. It says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Verse 4, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. So Psalm 14.4 asks the rhetorical question, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord? The answer to the question is obvious. It's no. They are without understanding. And as Romans 131 says, again, because they are without understanding, they, the result is that they are implacable and unmerciful. 
Implacability carries the thought of not being able to be appeased. Unstoppable. Relentless. Are we seeing that? Are we seeing a relentless, unstoppable pursuit of wickedness? Because their minds are darkened and enslaved in this world's satanic system, they are unable to comprehend the forces that are motivating them. Have you noticed that the greatest music, the greatest art, and the greatest literature have been supplanted and replaced with debauchery and filth? I have. How did we get here? It's because of these trends. It's because the biblical guardrails have been ripped away. And the rapidity at which our society is being deconstructed is unprecedented. And this is because so many people believe things that are not in alignment with reality. And people will continue in darkness because as 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Because they are blind to their condition, They blame external enemies instead of themselves. They direct their anger against those enemies, and their enemy is essentially normal, traditional society. See, you can't build a godless Marxist utopia until you've destroyed what existed before. So tear it down. Tear it down and rebuild it better. Build back better. Research that term. You'll discover that this is not only the slogan of the Joe Biden administration, but also the platform of the global governance movement, like the World Economic Forum and others. The world is united in its agenda, and it's an agenda against God. So in this condition, They are not only blind, but they are in fear. That's what we're seeing, fear. As Psalm 14.5 put it, There were they in great fear, for God is in the generation of the righteous. Now why are they in great fear? It's because they hate the righteous. It's because Christians are a constant rebuke to their godlessness. And they know inherently that God will judge them for their rejection of him. It is a fearful thing to be under God's judgment. They try to suppress this knowledge because if they examine their beliefs, they will be forced to change the way they think and act. They have no interest in doing this because they love their sin. As John chapter 3 verse 19 puts it or tells us, Men love darkness rather than light because, because their deeds are evil. So this decline will not only persist, it will accelerate, unfortunately. They are in great fear because they know God's judgment is coming. 
Romans chapter 1. Let's turn there. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, tells us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Truth is an affront to the godless. They have all undoubtedly considered God. God has put his knowledge within them, but they suppress it. If we continue in Romans chapter 1, verses 19, we see, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. But instead of submitting themselves to God and repenting, they curse God and eat his people as bread and call not upon the Lord. Psalm 14.4 Man wants hope. He is hopeless apart from Christ. Man wants meaning, but life is meaningless if all that gives your life meaning revolves around you. They are seeking comfort in things that will never satisfy. That is happening in every aspect of our society right now. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 tells us, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Chapter 2 describes all the things men do to fill the void that God, only God, can satisfy. So they seek pleasure, they use drugs and alcohol, they build vast commercial enterprises, they amass wealth and seek prestige. But then in the end, we read in chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, verse 11, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. So, they are angry and fearful Because the things they seek to satisfy them will never satisfy. Instead of looking at the source of their problems, which is them, they lash out at what they perceive to be their enemy. So as Romans chapter 3, 14 through 18 describes, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. No peace, just anger and bitterness leading to violence. That's what we're seeing. And again, instead of repenting and turning to Christ, they seek to tyrannize their enemies. We are tyrannized by our corrupt government, and they are corrupt. 
It's sad to say that, but it's true. We are tyrannized by our educational institutions, which have become moral and ethical wastelands. We are tyrannized by the medical pharmaceutical establishment with their toxic products. And our media is an instrument of all of these entities, brainwashing the public by telling us this is all very normal and natural, and don't dare say anything that conflicts with the official narrative, or this will happen to you. John Gibson, the CEO of gaming company Tripwire Interactive, this was in September, he stepped down after facing backlash for writing that he was proud of the Texas law banning abortions after six weeks. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being happy about that? Can you imagine having to step down because you're expressing your right, your First Amendment right? Now, we know he didn't step down. His company effectively fired him for daring to express that a child in the womb should be protected from being murdered. This is an outrage. Jim Boverd, a person you've never heard of, said, I like what he said. I know you've never heard of him because he's kind of an obscure blogger, but he put it extremely well. He said, quote, Freedom is rapidly being defined to connote whatever privileges remain after citizens submit to the latest decrees. Let me say that again. Freedom is rapidly being defined to connote whatever privileges remain after citizens submit to the latest decree. Now, here's the latest decree from New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. Now, this is, this is a little dated And this is happening, obviously, all over the country now. But I thought it was kind of the most stark example of the mindset of what's happening. He said, quote, If you're vaccinated, all that's going to open up to you. But if you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. Now, Regardless of your view of any medical treatment, whether this one or any other, this edict, this decree, is medical apartheid. Let me illustrate why. Let's replace vaccinated with white and unvaccinated with black. Let's try it again. If you're white, all that's going to open up to you. But if you're black, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. Is this okay? Whether you choose to take a medical treatment or you choose not to take it, no one has a right to discriminate against you. Can we agree on that? By the way, blacks are the largest unvaccinated group in New York City. Isn't that, isn't that ironic? Because they don't trust this thing. They have reason not to. Paul commended the Bereans in Acts chapter 17 for being more noble because they studied the word of God and evaluated the things they heard as to whether they were true. Does evaluation of truth only apply, or only pertain to what we read in the Bible? Shouldn't we evaluate all things and hold to what is true and reject what is false? We need to have courage 
in fighting against this evil because if we don't, it will be too late and we will lose our country and our freedom. And this country is the last best hope on earth for freedom. Can we still preach the gospel freely? Yes. Can we still worship freely? Again, yes. But we have taken those freedoms for granted and we are losing them. And when they're gone, they may be gone forever. John MacArthur said it well. We have four main pillars that keep our culture intact. Number one is the social contract. Number two is the family. Number three is the police. And number four is the church. Now here are my conclusions to his points. Number one, the social contract of decency and social norms. That is being attacked by groups like BLM and Antifa. And it is encouraged by our leaders in government, in academia, in industry, in sports, everywhere. Everywhere. That's why we are seeing things break down. Number two, the family. The biblical institution of marriage between a man and a woman, graciously teaching and protecting their children, is being attacked and destroyed by these very same groups. BLM's official website stated, it doesn't state it anymore because they got so much heat for it they took it down, but this is what it used to say. Quote, We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. The Western prescribed nuclear family requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. You know what was weird? I was reading this because I was, I was practicing and going over this, and I noticed that, that fathers aren't there. They're not there. So I guess mothers, parents, I don't know what kind of parents we're talking about here, but fathers are, are omitted. I think that's, I don't think that's an accident either. Now, the Western prescribed nuclear family is the God-ordained family. Number three, police. Calls for defunding the police whose mandate is to promote tranquility and protect public and private property is being undermined by these same anarchist groups with little or no repercussions. Now, they don't really want to defund the police. They want to be the police. And the rule of law will become what they want it to be. Number four, the church, which is the source of truth and stability in a society that is now descending into chaos. When you abandon the truth, chaos follows. There is no solution to human efforts to solve the problem of the soul that is in rebellion to God. We are experiencing national demoralization It has given way to destabilization. And what now is unfolding is chaos. If this trend is not reversed, it will lead to national destruction. It appears that in God's sovereign plan, this is the outcome he has ordained for our country. 
It's very sad. Is there any good news? Can we have confidence in God's provision and protection even if we face hardship and persecution? Of course we can. It's right there in Psalm 14:5. For God is in the generation of the righteous. What does that mean? It means we do not have to live in blindness or fear because God is with us. When I see all the anarchy, when I see all this anarchy around me, I ask, why do these people do these things? I can't comprehend wanting to behave this way. I don't think you can either. To them, this is life. To us, this is madness. Why don't they want to live a quiet and peaceable life, I ask? The answer is in James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And then we read in verse 16, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Are we seeing confusion in every evil work? Like never before in my lifetime. Through the promoting of envy and strife, people are being pitted against one another. It is classic divide-and-conquer strategy. Rich against poor, Black against white, male against female, now vaxxed against unvaxxed. And the world falls for this. But let's see the contrast in verse 17 and 18, where we read, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't leave, leave my notes somewhere. No, I didn't. I have them. I'm almost done. That would have been terrible. Okay. (laughs) So what we are seeing transpiring around us is the effects of a fallen world that knows not God. Christ said in Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So... Let us discern the times we are living in. Let us be strong and courageous and not live in fear about the present or the future. We know it is all in God's hands. Remember that the greatest enemy that needs to be conquered is us. Let us rely on God and have confidence that he will see us through. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Thank God every day that you get to live that you get to help others, that you get to fight the good fight and be able to praise God on the earth. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for your people. I pray, Lord, that this message was helpful to them. I pray that it was glorifying to you, Lord. We indeed live in very perilous times, but we can have confidence that you are right there with us, Lord, that you have ordained the end from the beginning, and you know all things, and you know Be anxious, especially for the young people here. There's great hope ahead because you know Christ. No matter what they do to you, you know Christ. You know the truth. We thank you for for your sacrifice. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who paid the price we could never pay. If there's anybody here that doesn't know you, we pray that today will be the day of salvation for them. There's people that can help them. And for the rest of us, Lord, help us rest in you. All the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Brian Baptist Church of Roner Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us online at www.bebaptist.org.